Gina Ippolito is a woman of many interests and talents. You probably know her work as a writer on the CBS's The Unicorn, so we know we got to talk about some Walton Goggins. She also wrote on the revival of Murphy Brown, so we got to talk about working with some TV icons. But Gina's also a connoisseur of many aspects of geek and nerd culture, comic books, cartoons, video games, so we will also talk about that. We also just had a very hearty meal at And Waffles. And if that wasn't enough, much like the lead characters in another project Gina Ippolito wrote on, The Powerpuff Girls, she uses her superpowers and super cuteness to save the world from supervillains and other gross entities. Newsflash, we've got Gina Ippolito in the studio today on... Breakfast. Pick it up. Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> my uh, guest today. Oh, I'm gonna need to hear all about that. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> As you just said, you're not a prostitute. What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food too. I'm always playing blue collar guys. Somebody screwed through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. Some salsa and some sour cream some guacamole. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Gina, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've been meaning to have you on. We met, it seems like we could have met in about eight different places. Uh You know, we could have met at like a Comic-Con. Yep. We could have met uh, in the sketch world uh-huh. somewhere, maybe iOS, UCB. We could have met uh, doing improv at one of those places. Yep. We didn't. I think we met at like a birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I, th- I think it was uh, it was Ray Stacanus's either Super Bowl or birthday party. So we have Ray to blame. Yeah. Well, you know what? And honestly, Gina, I don't like to say his whole name. I don't think oh, he deserves to have it. Yeah. You know, if you want to say his name, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we both love Ray. Uh, or we tolerate him depending yes, on yes. what day it is, and that's how we met. But we run in a lot of the same circles. Mm-hmm. You're known for uh, writing on a lot of different great projects. Oh. Right now you're working on The Unicorn, which I'm enjoying a great deal. Oh, thank you. Thanks for watching it. Do you find it how – how is it writing for a guy like Walton Goggins? It's great. He's he's a really, really sweet guy. Uh, you know, like he came out of a lot of a lot of sort of darker shows like Justified and Sons of Anarchy. And uh, this is his first network sitcom. He's done a, a couple of other funny shows uh, uh, with Danny McBride and things like that. But this is his first network sitcom. So it's sort of a, a learning experience for him and for, for all of us. But he's a really, really just nice guy. Knows everyone's names around the set. Uh, cool, cool guy to write with. He's, he's right. very, very, got a cool, cool vibe. Does it make it easier to write for an actor you know can do comedy, drama, everything? Because like you said, he's done Tarantino. He did Hateful Eight. Yeah. He did Vice Principals on HBO, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Does yeah, that make it easier for you to, universe. where you feel like, I don't need to... Uh, Whatever I write, he's gonna make it work. Yeah, yeah, and he's very he's very communicative. So if we write something and he doesn't think his character would say it, he'll 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 say it to us in a very respectful way. He'll say, "Oh, I don't feel like my character would say this," but yeah, he can handle anything you throw at him. And the rest of the cast is great. Also, it's Rob Corddry and Michaela Absolutely. Watkins. And- well, and I don't want to. Yeah, look, I worked on Casual with Michaela Watkins. That was oh. her show. Uh, one of the most fun days I had shooting a show because yeah. it, I had a character that was just like. 
I was a plumber, and she had tried to do some plumbing herself. Uh-huh. And I was just saying all those man things. That like, well, what else did you do yourself in here? You know what I mean? Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and just her reactions was like, I <laughs> love working with Michaela Logan. Yeah, she's, she's so a talented. delight. And obviously Rob Cordry is a, mm-hmm. a veteran of many comedic shows. and Yeah, and Omar Benson-Miller, who is an 8 Mile, and Mylon Robinson, who is yeah. on uh, uh, The Connors. A great cast you guys have. Mm-hmm. How did that come together with you working on that show? Uh, let's see. My writing partner and I were were just coming off Murphy Brown. Is that Skander? Skander Halim, yes. Do you know that I knew Scan? I knew Skander before I knew you. Did you? We, t- we took Blasphemy. UCB a UCB class together. Really? Yeah. Wow. Maybe several. I bet you could win in a fight against him. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, <laughs> I would bet on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Skander and I were were we were just coming off Murphy Brown. We were waiting to hear if it was gonna get another season or if they were just gonna do the one 13 episode season. So we started sort of taking meetings and. Uh, one of the meetings we took was for The Unicorn with uh, two very delightful showrunners, Bill Martin and Mike Schiff, who uh, did Third Rock from the Sun and and Living Biblically and a bunch of other great, great shows. Living Biblically? I was on that show oh, also. what? Oh, <laughs> small world, Brent. Uh, and, and you know, the, the meeting went well, and then and then uh, we really enjoyed the pilot. We had read it before we went into the, into the meeting with them, and... And yeah, we got word, I guess, around around May of last year that we were hired on it, and we're very excited because it was yeah. it was one of the stronger pilots that we read last year. Mm-hmm. So it was a great experience all around. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. Uh, the next season is going to be sometime in the yeah. I don't know when it is Fingers exactly. Crossed. Yeah, hopefully. What's well, renewed? Yes. <laughs> Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. We'll 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 find out before the upfronts in May. If it's what renewed. are they waiting for? I don't. They're waiting. It for needs to you, be renewed immediately. You, Brent, to tweet at CBS. Thank you. I will do it in, I will say, in mediamente. I'll even say it in Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish. That's how much I think it needs to be <laughs> renewed good. immediately. Good, That's what well, they're cool. waiting Well, cool. Well, good for. luck. Uh, thank I you. hope it does. It's a great show and yeah, great cast and you. the writings. You know, everything works. Mm-hmm. Thank so, you. How did you, you are not from Los Angeles. You're not from California. I am not. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey, uh, uh, a very small town called Booton Township. Uh, and it's it's sort of a suburban rural place. Like there's woods behind my house that I used to tell friends were haunted. Uh, they totally believe me. And <laughs> and then after college, I I came out to California, but I still go back to New Jersey quite a bit. Booton Township is quite a name. It's it's a great name. What's it, how, what's the population? Of Booten it's Township? oh, it's so small. There's a there's. I was shocked to discover it had a Wikipedia page. Uh, but for you know for some. For some info, my I went to the same school in the same building from pre-K through eighth grade. It was all in one school. And then my eighth grade graduating class had 30 kids in it. So very small town. Okay. The only thing we had was a volunteer fire department. Interesting. And, and a K, K my, through eight grade school. That's, you know, I grew up in Nebraska. My high uh-huh. school graduating class was 28. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. That really limits your high school dating pool, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's where all your problems started. <sighs> and continue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's interesting growing up in a very small town. I find that a lot of creative people grow up in very small towns. Yeah. And someone on the show had said it. they thought it was because there was limited things you had to really Find ways to entertain yourself. Yeah, rely on your imagination. Not yeah. like these big city kids and, city their, slickers. and their bars and their strip clubs. I don't know anything about big cities. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
I don't know anything about any of those things you just said either. <laughs> In fact, I've never even heard some of those words. Strip club. <laughs> uh, what even is that? Uh, <laughs> so how did you end up moving out here? What was the... Uh, I was in college. I was a, a, a media studies major and then and then a theater minor. So I moved out here to act originally uh-huh. and sort of very quickly realized that because I did a lot of high school th- high school theater. I was in the drama club um, and sort of very quickly realized I, I hated real acting in Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, it was during one of those acting classes where they make you stare deeply into each other's eyes and, <sighs> and until you get the impulse. Yeah. Uh, and it made me very uncomfortable and I was weirded out and I thought maybe this isn't for me. Look, I do a lot of acting out here <laughs> and that same stuff you talked about, I'm not into that at yeah, all. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So I took the opposite route and took a couple improv classes uh-huh. where you don't need an emotional connection to your partner. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I loved it. I, I started at UCB and then sort of quickly blew through all their improv classes. So I started taking sketch, sketch writing and, and realized, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at this sketch writing thing. So... So, yeah, that was how I transitioned into actual writing. So before you moved out here, had you done a lot of writing? Uh, you know, not school things, but like... Yeah, I mean, like, I was, I was, had taken a bunch of, like, creative writing classes, and yeah. I was the editor of my high school newspaper, so it was always, I, I was always sort of also a writer, um, but I had never really considered it as a full-time career, just because I, I didn't really know, how, like, I didn't really think of how these TV shows get made, and... And how one writes for them. Uh, and then once I started doing it, I thought, oh, wow, this is like I can wear ratty jeans to work. Sign me up. And you look more like a writer when <laughs> exactly. you do that. You can dress like how you dress Dre- yeah. and look even more like what you, your job is. Dress yeah. for the career you want in jeans and graphic t-shirts. Thank you. Do you find any commonalities from uh, your acting improv uh, things that you do and the writing are the things that are the, that you need in both? Yeah, I think, well, when I was writing on, on regular show at Cartoon Network, since mm-hmm. those are sort of 11-minute chunks, uh, uh, they're 11-minute episodes, I had submitted, you know, a sketch writing packet. I think I came up with some of those sketch ideas through improv scenes that I had done where I thought, oh, if I had more time to actually write this down, this would make a good sketch. And we came up with a lot of those episodes just by sort of writing down titles with nothing behind it, just based on things we saw in the room or things we ha- we thought of that day, like, you know, the breakfast cereal of doom. And then we would each write what we thought that episode was just in, in a minute. So it was very sort of imp- improv-y. Okay. And then, our, and then our boss, the head writer, would say like, ooh, I liked this element of your story. I like that element of your story. So go write this up. Uh, and a lot of writing is just riffing in a writer's room with other people who, since I write comedy, a lot of them have taken comedy classes. So it feels kind of like improv half the time. And, and you know, you're coming up with jokes on the fly that sometimes make it into a script. So there's a lot of overlap, for, especially for comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and I both uh, worked. You were, I, was, I did one episode acting-wise, and you wrote on the revival of Murphy. I, I was on Roseanne and you mm-hmm. did the revival of Murphy Brown, yes. two iconic shows that kind of came back. That's kind of a trend that's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just wondering what was, how different is that from something like the unicorn? Because mm-hmm. you're working with an established property already. You're working with iconic characters mm-hmm. and actors. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. Murphy Brown was super interesting because they hired back a lot of the original writers. It was the original showrunner and creator, the amazing Diane English. 
and then all the original actors came back. Uh, there were a couple that were had passed on, but all of the ones that are still living came back. Uh, and so it was it was sort of a well-oiled, well-established machine by the time I got to it. So there yeah. was there was no real guesswork uh, mm-hmm. involved. They they sort of knew what worked. The actors sort of slipped back seamlessly into those roles. And uh, and the writers' room was a, was a delight. It was very you know it was everyone knew exactly how episodes should be structured, what the actors could do, and were and were good at, and what was in their wheelhouse. Uh, and they even recreated the original set, uh, Murphy Brown's townhouse, and everything. Uh, and so that was sort of for a lot of people that was like putting on you know an old, well worn pair of gloves, and then I was sort of there being like, "Hi, I'm new." Uh, the unicorn is more is more your since it's since it was the first season of a new show, you're finding all of that stuff together. You're finding out what works together. You're putting the episodes to, together to, uh, you know, as, as a group and as a team. Not that Murphy Brown wasn't a team. It was just you know they are they already sort of knew all the guesswork was already done. The unicorn was sort of okay. How about this? Oh, that doesn't work. Oh, this works better. And so it was it was more sort of building something from the ground up versus coming into an already fully built building. Yeah, I felt that too on Roseanne. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a comfort level with all of the everyone working on the show and then you had people like me that was coming in for just a couple of days. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And even though uh they all knew each other, it was it was a little weird because I didn't know any of them, but they all knew each other. You know what I mean? So it was, yeah. all, it was almost like being the new kid in school. Mm-hmm. No one knows you. They all know each other. Uh, but great cast. You're now, Murphy Brown was shot in New York, correct? Yes. So and we, the unicorn yeah. is here. Yes, yes. So we did, for Murphy Brown, we did, the writer's room was two months in L.A. of, of before we started shooting. And then it shot in New York at, in Astoria, at Coffin Astoria Studios. And we were there for five months. Uh, so, so that was, that was cool. You know, I'm from, since I'm from the East Coast, I was able to see my parents a lot. And I was there yeah. sort of. From July to December, so I got a little bit of every season, which I miss in in L.A., but ultimately I I prefer being in L.A. It's just easier. Is there a difference between working on the show in New York and in L.A.? Is, is it, or is it kind of the same? Uh, well, that one was a multicam, and Unicorn is a single cam, so just that that's sort sure. of sort of different. But in terms of you know, in in New York, it's it's all it was all shot on the stage. We obviously couldn't do location shoots because in New York, there's just a lot of right. logistical things, including weather and noise and things like that. Uh, here we have sort of more freedom because you know it's L.A. The weather's always nice. You can always sort of find a quiet street to film on. Uh, and then, yeah, and then just, you know, the logistics of, of where I live, I, I, you know, in my apartment, when I went to New York, I had to sort of sublet out my apartment and find a new apartment out there. And, and it was a lot of, a lot of prep work to, to move there and write for it. So I prefer being in LA. It's, it's less, less work for me. Yeah. I'm curious, since LA has the reputation of being kind of more laid back, mm-hmm. and New York is kind of a little more fast paced, a little more frenetic. At least that's mm-hmm. the perception of a lot of people. It's Does true. that bleed into <laughs> the work? How you guys work on the shows, or is that completely separate? Uh, let's see. I think it's it's kind of separate. I think the the vibe is usually set by the showrunner and the writers and everything. So so you know, Murphy Brown was pretty it was pretty leisurely because, like I said, uh, uh, everything was was sort of hammered out and well established. 
Um, you know, I, I, I will say it's, it's, you know, on single cam, there's, there's longer hours cause you're not filming in front of a, of a live audience. So in that, in that way, Murphy Brown was, you know, we were always out at the same time pretty much. Whereas on the unicorn, it's, it's more of a crapshoot because we don't know how long things will take to shoot and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, but in terms of vibes, I'm, even though I'm from the East coast, I'm much more, I much more have an L.A. vibe, so I like things to be a little bit more <laughs> relaxed yeah. and laid back yeah. and easier. Did you get to spend any time with Candace Birkin? Uh, Bergen? Candace yeah. Birkin? Birkin? Who's Candace Birkin? <laughs> uh, the a, knockoff Candace, a, Candace yeah. Bergen. Right. You know, the lady that kind of, her stand-in, Candace yeah, Birkin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And if you did, you know, was that kind of intimidating or was she? Yeah, she, I, I did get to spend time with her. She was, she was so friendly and so nice and so just down to earth uh, uh, and really quick to just sort of make fun of herself and joke around. So she had no ego. The entire cast was like that, actually. Uh, and, and just, yeah, she was just delightful. If she dropped a line, she'd sort of make fun of herself about it and be like, oh, that was my fault, wasn't it? Sorry, everyone. You know, so so she has a great sense of humor. Uh, at first, it was a little bit intimidating, but she was so down to earth that it wasn't, you know, it was it was it was a delight. And we all sort of still email back and forth with, she, with each other and she'll send us pictures of her dog every now and then. So, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, so she's great. Candace Bergen's, I think, grandfather's Edgar Bergen. Is that right? Yeah, uh, is that her or is it dad? Great it's her dad. Uh, uh, it's not her dad. The, the ventriloquist a... you're yeah. talking about. That's her dad. Really? Yeah. I used to have tapes. There weren't videos of them, but I used to have tapes that I would get at the library and listen uh-huh. to uh, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Yeah. And I have one of those. It's a facsimile of a Charlie McCarthy doll uh, at my house. Yeah. And people are always either like, that's cool or super creeped out. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. She's she comes from a long line of of yeah, of entertainers and and she has so much history that I sort of didn't know going into the show. Uh like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. the the uh, people might not know this, but the the house where the Manson murders took place that was Candace's boyfriend's house. So she used to be at that house all the time. And when they have the scene in it where Charles Manson is looking for for him, for yeah. her, because he was a music producer and he was he was the music producer for the Beach Boys. Right. And so so she had only moved out of that house a few months before that murder happened, which is crazy to that could think be about. Like, that could be an entire extra hour on yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a lot of not a lot of people know that. But when he shows up and he says, "Oh, is this so and so's house?" That's that's her boyfriend, and that's that's she she wow. lived there. And it was you know they had only been gone a few months when when Roman Polanski and that's cool. Sharon Tate moved in. So it's yeah, she's got a lot of old Hollywood. Like, just crazy, crazy stories. Yeah. Well, enough about Candace Bergen and <laughs> her stand-in, Candace Birkin. Uh, <laughs> we, you and, another thing you and I have a lot in common is, like, uh, an affinity for, like, the nerd, geek culture, comic books, video games, things mm-hmm. like that. True. You actually wrote a graphic novel mm-hmm. called Babe Squad. Yes, Which, yes. shame on me, I have not read it yet. Oh, Ray, whose last name shall not be <laughs> yeah. mentioned. Gave it a great review. I just haven't gotten it yet. So. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to apologize. I take it as a personal affront, and you're dead to me now. Oh. Well, that was another good episode <laughs> of Breakfast. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I feel like Ray should have bought me a copy. That's true. You know what kind of friend is he? What kind of friend is he? That's 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 what I think you should take out of this. Yeah, that's true. I will now. Ray is dead to me. 
<laughs> well, tell me a little bit about Babe Squad. Yeah, so I co-wrote it with my with my friend and and sometimes writing partner Haley Mancini, who was the head. I know Haley Mancini. Yeah, she's great. Uh, uh, she was the head writer of the Powerpuff Girls, and we were both working at Cartoon Network at the time. Uh, she was working on the Powerpuff Girls. I was on regular show, and uh, we decided to write a show together and pitch it. And uh, we came up with this concept that we pitched as Sex in the City meets Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, we pitched it around town, and one of the places that we pitched it asked if we could write it as a graphic novel. And we said, sure, we'd never never written one before. Haley had had written some comics for the Powerpuff Girls comics, but we had never sat down together to write a full-length graphic novel. Uh, and, and so we did, and it's, it's about four sort of struggling supermodels in, in a city, uh, much like Gotham, but they are thrown from a very tall catwalk into a vat of radioactive furs, (laughs) and they become, uh, half supermodel, half mutant crime-fighting freaks. Now, are you sure this isn't based on a true story? Because it (laughs) seems very familiar. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of those things that every, it happens in every woman's lifetime. Yes. Uh and then she and then their their uh their sensei, their splinter if you will is uh half toilet. She she was also encountered some radioactive substance and was fused to a toilet. So yeah. <laughs> so she's frequently seen uh puking into her own toilet cuz nice. she's also she also has substance abuse problems. Well, okay. I like <laughs> everything about this. I need to read it immediately. And you guys should should buy it. Can they buy it somewhere? Is that Yeah, you can pretty much get it any uh, online anywhere that sells books. You can get it on target.com, barnesandnoble.com or Amazon if that's your that's more your speed. Uh yeah, just just type in Babe Squad and and uh, it should come up on any of those sites. Very cool. I I'm curious how you have uh, felt about working on Powerpuff Girls. Uh, so I wrote one episode for the first for the first season. Yeah, uh, and it was the first time I had written for a storyboard driven cartoon, uh, which basically means that instead of full length scripts. You sort of write a very detailed outline and then pass it off to uh, the storyboard artists who come back with it all storyboarded out and then you sort of do some tweaks and rewrites. And that was a really interesting process instead of just sitting down and writing a script. It was very collaborative. Uh, The writers have a lot of input, as they should. And just sort of animation takes so long. So by the time the episode comes out on any animated thing, you're like, oh, right. I, I, I worked on that at some point. Because it's not like TV where you write it and then and then oftentimes the next week or the next couple – over the next couple of weeks you film it. It's it's It takes almost a year to get animated things on the air. So by the time it's done, you've moved on to other projects, which was very interesting and very sort of surreal. Yeah. Well, that happens a lot in the acting world, too. You shoot something, especially uh-huh. if it's a movie. Yes. And sometimes it's two years later, and then people are saying, like, what was it like shooting that scene? And you're like, <laughs> I mean, I kind of remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Another thing that you were kind of telling me about, and I was like, okay, we have to talk about this, is that you were recently, or maybe you're still in the middle of it, doing a complete rewatching of every Marvel property in universal order in other words in the order it happened in the universe of marvel yes so starting with captain america uh because chronologically that's the first one that happens and then going to agent carter season one agent carter season two and then and then continuing on from there and i even watched all the the dvd one-offs which are you know like little little things that sometimes connect sometimes sometimes don't but they're usually like three minute clips that i was able to find on youtube 
Uh, and and it was and I loved it. Some some of it was a little bit of a slog. I'm still I'm still in it because they they release so much content now that I have to I have to sort of keep catching up. But yeah, it was it was there were some things that were a slog. Like Marvel's Inhumans was was yeah <laughs> was pretty tough to get through. But then there were other things that I you know I never realized would be so good. Like Marvel's Runaways, uh, uh, which was which was delightful. Mm-hmm. And and Agents of Shield, I'm a huge Agents of Shield fan. And then all the movies were 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 great. Uh, so yeah, it, it took me quite a long time, but I did it. And now I get a trophy. Yeah, <laughs> guys, bring in the trophy. Yeah, this has to be worth. Uh, like, oh wait, she I, said can she's I not finished it. My resume. I she's don't, not finished it. Take the trophy back out. <laughs> oh, only completionists get the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look. The dedication to that is amazing, and I wish. I I feel like I would I well I could do it but I just don't feel like I could get through it all. Yeah, you know? I don't I don't you know I'm not sure I'm not sure why I did it. I'm glad I did it. We I went feel like through it's a good talking point. We went through <laughs> Tressa and I, my wife, and we tried to watch all the movies in order. And we're about halfway through, but even that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Once you once you add in the TV shows and there's I think 6 seasons of Agents of Shield, so some of them are are yeah, they, they take a long it takes a long time to do, and I've talked to other people who've done the movies or or done the movies and some of the TV shows, but I haven't talked to anyone who's done the movies, the TV shows, and the and the DVD hits, yeah. the one-offs. Well, before we go too much further, I want to talk about our uh, delightful breakfast oh, we had at mm-hmm. And Waffles, or as we both called it, Ampersand, Ampersand Waffles. waffles. Uh-huh. I thought the food there was really good. It was so good, and I'd never been there before. I'd never, I'd never even really heard of it, uh, uh, and it was, it was delightful. I've been there before, and we're, and you know, as always, we have some great pictures at the place mm-hmm. uh, that you can see on the the Facebook page and on Instagram later on. But yeah, the waffles, nice and crispy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked about this on the show before, but that's how I like them. I don't like the soggy waffle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was great, and I I got the the Nutella strawberry waffle, and it was, and they asked me if I wanted a half order or a whole order, and I ordered the half order, which I'm glad and sad that I did because I was able to finish it all, and I was very full. But also, if there had been another waffle there, I would have eaten the whole thing. <laughs> right, and I had I had to look it up on my phone right now. I had the waffle cheeseburger, uh-huh. which was a giant jalapeno, which. <laughs> Look, later on there may be a video of me just eating that giant jalapeno that mm-hmm. I was kind of forced to do uh, or guilted <laughs> into eating. Uh, <laughs> jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. And there were there were chunks of uh, jalapeno in the waffle, mm. which I didn't know if I was going to like, but it added a little kick to mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. It's almost like when you get those drinks that have like the muddled jalapenos in it and it gives it yeah. a little kick. Yeah. Uh, Angus ground patty and cheese. It was such a weird concept to me, but it was really good. <laughs> yeah, it looked really good. It looked like it, it was either going to be really good or just a huge mistake. Either way, <laughs> when you see something like that on a menu, you almost have to try it. Yeah, right? yeah. Like the weirdest thing there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a cool place. There's a little bit of a wait. Usually, I think if you go uh, around when we went, which is like you know later afternoon, or later morning on a Saturday. It was even raining a little bit, and there was still a little bit of a wait. Yeah, I bet if you went during the week, like, maybe it would, it would be good. a little bit better. But, yeah, we got there at ten, around 10 a.m. There's one of those giant uh, thing of wings, I think, made out of waffles, so you can take your picture in front of yeah, it. Yeah, one that of those Instagram a, walls. Right. It takes 
that takes up two of the minutes while you're waiting. <laughs> so that's good. But I thought the staff was uh, really nice. Yeah, and they were the, great. Like I said, the waffles and you, you liked it with the Nutella. Yeah, it was really, really good. I thought maybe it would be too much, too much sweetness, but no, it was. Oh, it was perfect. And like you said, the the waffle was like a little bit crunchy on the outside and then soft on the yeah. inside, and it was ooh, it was so good. Yeah, it's a really cool looking place inside too, and. I feel like uh, it's not a place where I would go to right because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, it is so busy that I don't, I feel bad about taking up a table for that mm-hmm. long to write. But it is a place I might take someone uh, if, if I was going to a meeting or if I had friends come from out of town. It's mm-hmm. kind of a cool place to hang out. I mean, we might have seen somebody <laughs> from a very famous show about people working in an office. I don't know who, oh, who it could have been. What show could that be? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they might have said, that's what she said on that show a lot. <laughs> Still pretty vague on what show it is, I think. Yeah, but the point but, is celebrities love and waffles. That's right. And they also call it ampersand waffles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those hip things. Mm-hmm, You're going to mm-hmm. Ann Waffles, and I'm going to ampersand yeah. waffles. Anyway, that place, great food. I liked it. I'll be back there. Yeah, me too. And... uh we also had some hash browns on the side. Yeah, yeah, solid hash browns. Had, very, a, very had good. lattes. Mm-hmm. They made them vanilla for us, special. Yeah, pretty, pretty tasty. So yeah. thank you for going to breakfast. Yeah, was, it was delightful. That was really, really nice. Who were some of your influences, uh, either as a writer or performer, growing up as a couple people you can name? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think anytime I sit down to write a new pilot, I sort of, there are a few pilots that I rewatch because because I just love them so much. And one of them is is Parks and Rec. Oh, yes. Uh, just because I, I just love, I feel like Amy Poehler on that show is 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 like a soothing bomb for, for the world. She's just, you don't see many shows where someone is just an unabashed, unapologetic uh, optimist. Mm-hmm. And and I just feel like every time I watch it, it makes me feel good. There are other shows that I love where I watch them and I just, afterwards I go, ugh, that was, that was a, a lot. You know, like yeah. it, it sort of, it sort of brings me down even though I love them. And that's one of those shows that anytime I, I see it, I think, oh yeah, yeah, the, the, the optimists can take over the world and everything will be better and, and run smoothly. Interesting. So she's, and she also, you know, started, started from improv and she started UCB, which is how I got all of my writing jobs basically. So, uh, so she's a huge one. Tina Fey, obviously I feel like I'm giving all the typical answers, but same with, you know, I watch, I watch 30 well, they're, Rock. And... they're typical answers because they're really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I feel like the combination of those, those two, two women who both had wildly successful shows and, and careers and still do, still do great stuff. Uh, and, and 30 Rock is also hilarious and, and Tina Fey's brain is, is just brilliant and, and also be, just being the first uh, female head writer on SNL is yeah. is huge. So I'd say like the two of them, they're they're great. I love any any uh, shows on TV right now. They're done by Mike Schur, who did The Good Place. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's. I just love that he has sort of taken the trope of of sitcoms where you can never have characters change, which is one of the rules of sitcoms. You want them to sort of start and end in the in the same exact place because growth on a sitcom is very hard. 
Uh, and he turned it on its head and, and said, okay, no, what if we do the exact opposite of that? So he's, yeah. he's also great. So those three, definitely. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to mention this. Since you mentioned Amy Poehler, mm-hmm. and uh, when we were eating, you had talked about, we had talked about 4 and 20, which uh-huh. there's one on Laurel Canyon, mm-hmm. and there's also one on Van Nuys Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the episodes, we had Jeremy Suarez from the Bernie Mac show. We went to the one on Laurel Canyon. That's mine. So, that's yeah, my that's the one 4 you go and 20. To. That's well, the one I go to. Well, you know, after I mentioned this, you might have to go to the other one because... Oh, no. The one on Laurel, the one on Van Nuys Boulevard, mm-hmm. is actually JJ's Waffles from Parks oh. and Rec. Oh, and they don't actually serve waffles there, but it is JJ's Waffles. They have a sign signed by the cast. Wow, yeah. So There's, we'll go there. So let's go there sometime. Yeah, uh, and you know what? Now I now I'm sad because I bought on on Parks and Rec. Amy Poehler wears this waffle necklace. That it's uh-huh. a, it's a little waffle necklace. And uh, I got the exact same necklace. It's done by this place called Tiny Hands Jewelry, and they make little tiny foods on necklaces, and they sort of smell like what they what they are. Yeah. So I have like a pop tart bracelet, and okay. and I got this little. It's it's a waffle with a little pad of butter on it, and I should have worn it today uh, to ampersand waffles. It would have been a <laughs> perfect tie in, but you know. Yeah, a missed opportunity. Missed opportunity, but yes. So. Uh, Four and twenty. Mm-hmm, we should mm-hmm. head there sometime. Also, the one on Van yeah. Nuys, and then you can see the whole JJ Waffles thing. Yeah, I will. It's time for one of our most popular segments: the Breakfast Quick Bites. Breakfast Quick Bites. Quick Bites. Quick Bites. Breakfast Quick Bites. Breakfast, the most important meal of the day. So, Breakfast Quick Bite number one. Gene, are you ready? I think so. You are a person that has written a graphic novel. What is the better graphic novel, Uh-oh. Neil Gaiman's Sandman series oh, crap. or the juggernaut that is The Walking Dead? Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, you know, I've got I'm a huge I'm a huge Sandman fan. I've reread it three times. I like yeah. that it's all all sort of contained. Whereas The Walking Dead keeps going on and on and on, which which you know not not that that's a bad thing, but I like that you can sort of take in all of. Sandman in in you know a few sittings and also the fact that because I I've read it so many times you sort of discover something new about it each time and there's always there's always tie-ins about other characters in this universe and I just love it I love that you know now now they even have an annotated version where it sort of says the references at the bottom and and as with a lot of Neil Gaiman's properties there's so much mythology involved and and it's it's really you know, it's one of those reads that when you're when you're reading it, it really makes your brain work. Whereas the the Walking Dead is more is is and again, I love it. So don't angry tweet at me, but yeah. it feels a little bit more at this point in time, a little bit more like junk food, where you sort of uh-huh. read it and and you take it in, and you're like, oh, that was that was good. I feel like Sandman makes you work for it a little bit harder, and that's why I got to give it to Sandman. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I could get down with that. I'm a fan of both of those as yeah. well, and yeah. it's almost it's really tough. It's almost like when mm-hmm. you have to cut a line, you have one line to cut from a script, and you're like, Ugh, oh, but I yeah. like these three lines. I thought you were talking about cocaine at first, but now I understand. <laughs> Euphemistically, <laughs> maybe. Yes. <laughs> All right, so you've got Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Uh, I'm into that. Breakfast quick bite number two. We have a big breakfast meats battle. Gina, are you ready? Yes. You are from the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And one of the meats there is called the Taylor Ham. Yes, I love it. And we're going to put the Taylor Ham up against Spam. Ooh. And you know what else? I'm going to make it even harder for you. Versus Canadian bacon. Oh, a threefer. A threefer. 
Uh, I, I feel like since I live in L.A., I should say Spam because Spam is big out here. They've got uh-huh. Spam Musubi, and it's great. But I'm a Jersey girl at heart, so I've got to go Taylor Ham. They Taylor also Hamm. they also call it pork roll, uh, depending on what part of Jersey you're from. But if people don't know what that is. Describe that. Piece. Yeah, so so Taylor Ham is 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 it's in it's in the pork family, and it's sort of like a flattened, you know, but like slightly thicker piece of of browned ham. It's it's usually got sort of like a caramelized crust a little bit on top. And it's just salty and delicious. And you like the best thing is you put a Taylor ham egg and cheese sandwich on either a bagel or a croissant. And I used to get them all the time in high school. Uh, in hindsight, I'm sure it probably wasn't healthy for me to do it as much as I did. <laughs> I don't but think any of those three choices yeah, were healthy. Yeah, but and and again, I love spam. I feel like Canadian bacon comes in third in that race. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. But yeah, I gotta go Taylor Ham as the winner in this battle. Interesting. Now I've never actually had Taylor Ooh. Ham. Do I have to go to the East Coast to get a Taylor Ham, or is there somewhere here that they no, might? No, you gotta you gotta get it. You gotta get the OG from the East Coast. It, you can get it pretty much Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. Okay, uh, next time uh, I'm in NYC, which is most likely where I'll be. Yeah, unless pl- I fly into Newark or something like that. Yeah, any place that has breakfast sandwiches should have Taylor Ham egg and cheese, or again, they might call it pork roll egg and cheese. Mm, well, I'm into that. My middle mm-hmm. name actually is breakfast sandwiches, so. Oh. Oh, yeah, it's delightful. It's a I weird have, thing. I when have I have questions to, for your parents. <laughs> when I have to fill out the forms, there's not enough slots. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Excellent. I accept that Taylor Ham is the answer. Thank mm-hmm. you for participating in our breakfast. Mm-hmm. Breakfast? I cannot say breakfast today. Why? <laughs> it's the name of the show. Yeah. Thank you for participating in the breakfast quick bites. It's that it's that waffle cheeseburger you ate for it's, breakfast. It's, it's weighing you down. Pouring into my brain. <laughs> what have they done to me? In the future. There will be a movie called The Gina Ippolito Story. Will there? Yes. <laughs> All 100%. right. You, you, you're promising me this. Yes, I'm promising. Who will play you in that movie? Mm. Let's see. I feel like since it's the future, I will be played by a sophisticated Android version of myself. Yes. What's, the, like, an, what's the Android's name? <laughs> oh, I feel like it's it's called G2. Yeah. Uh, uh, very simple, but 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 G2... And yeah, I feel like the way they're going with the de-aging technology and everything like that, I feel like sophisticated Android actors are the next step. And I think you being the uh, purveyor of nerd culture as you are, you wouldn't want it any other way than to be like uh, an animated or AI yeah, uh, that's, playing you. That's true. And and in my mind, the AI spends a lot of time with me because they want to get all of my, my movements and, and everything just right. And eventually they kill me and take over my and life. replace you, yes. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. And people sort of know, but also they're like, eh, what are we going to do about it? And then it? they can't tell at all when they're doing interviews about your movie, <laughs> except like when they ask you something and you go, that's funny, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. That's the only yeah, thing they didn't ex- figure out was exactly. the laugh. Wait, wait, is that a robot of Gina? <laughs> Everything else is perfect. Yeah, yeah. This, this tracks. Yes. Well, if you would like to get more info on the breakfast show such as pics of Gina Ippolito and I having breakfast at and waffles there are a bunch of ways to do that please join the breakfast facebook page my personal facebook page you can hit up breakfast on the instagram at breakfast podcast my personal instagram and twitter are at scoops pope and you can also find me on my facebook actor page under brent pope Gina Ippolito, what is coming up for you? Anything you want to plug? Mm. And where can we find you on social media? Uh, sure. My Instagram is at Gina Ippy, and that's also my Twitter, at Gina Ippy. Uh, so you can follow me on there. Uh, you know, watch watch The Unicorn on CBS. Yes. Every, it's Thursday nights at 8.30. 
Uh, since I assume no one still has regular broadcast TV anymore, you can also watch it for free on CBS.com. You don't need a, a CBS All Access login. They have old episodes up there totally free. Uh, and that you can watch anytime. Uh, you so, can also buy... So no excuses. Exactly. Uh, you can also buy my graphic novel, Babe Squad, uh, anywhere anywhere books are found online. Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble. Uh, and let's see. What else? Do you have any podcasts you do? Oh, yeah. I know you do. I do. Just... <laughs> I, do. I, I co-host a podcast with the aforementioned Ray... Last name shall not be named. Yes. And Mr. Robert Clark Chan called Knowing is Half the Podcast. Uh, We cover episodes of old G.I. Joe and we have guests on and they pick their sort of favorite 80s and 90s cartoons and we usually find the worst episode that we can uh, and discuss it. Uh, So that's Knowing is Half the Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, our Facebook group and and on Twitter, knowing is half the po- uh, K I H T P on Twitter because knowing is half the podcast would nice. not fit. All so, right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in. This was thank you really for fun. Me. And let's go out right now and get some JJ's waffles. Yeah, yeah. And with that, we put another fantabulous episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope in the old to go bag. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>